BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. The state of the race now, it's sort of in a weird state of flux. You have Buttigieg emerging in Iowa. You have... Bloomberg on the sidelines, oh. and there seems to be a yearning by your party for somebody <laughs> else, something else, to stop Biden because think, they don't think you Biden don't, you can You don't make think it. 20 flavors works? <laughs> <laughs> Hi, everybody. I'm Fran Spielman, and with me is a familiar face. <laughs> Mayor Rahm Emanuel, former Mayor Rahm Emanuel, how are you? I'm v- real good. Real good. Real good. Elite, yeah. Approaching your 60th birthday next My birthday's week. coming up, yeah. How does that feel? That's good. I mean, uh, you know, I have my health, I have my family, uh, and there's uh, a lot of things that I've accomplished and a lot of things in front of me that I want to accomplish. How's the When transition? you take a look at the world, How's the transition <laughs> to the outside world, the, the other uh, side? Uh, you know, there's, uh, there's a lot of good things. I mean, you get to do things that you haven't, that you've kind of, not just things that were on the bucket list, like the bike trip around the lake that was great and stuff like that. We've done, I've been able to do certain things that I've always wanted. I'm reading a lot. Amy and I have set up a, uh, also a book club, a Shakespeare book club uh, with a professor and a couple, and about three or four other couples. So there's things we haven't done. And then there's other things like, you know, when you're at the dinner table, you're fully present. She, Amy has a slightly different view of my presence, but I, yeah, I'm fully present without any one other crisis or three of them invading the dinner table. So that makes it enjoyable. Uh, the work is interesting. And I'm doing a, a varied of work, obviously, from uh, TV to writing. Uh, the book is done. It'll be out in February to working in the private sector and then also to chairing a, a national chair of the advisory board for BAM. So there's a, you know, uh, a full salad bar of things, and there's no loss of uh, interest and uh, an ability to deal with my spilkas. <laughs> spilkas, which yeah, is, is the translate, uh, ants, for in, ants in your pants. Ants in your <laughs> pants. Okay, well let's let's establish the ground rules here. You came on under the understanding that you would not sit in judgment of Lori Lightfoot or anything in the city that's going on. I have done that for uh, I think yesterday was six months, and I'm going to continue that. Uh, uh, my whole thing. I'm going to serve the city. I love the city. I love the future of the city. Uh, but I will never, ever, uh, having sat in that chair, and I, all I would say is I root for her and root for the city. And why is it so important to you to have that ethic? Well, look, I had the ethic in office. You didn't say anything about uh, your predecessor. And I have that ethic also. I think I, I'm somewhat borrowing nationally, but I believe I know what the job takes. It's very hard. You don't need to make it harder uh, more difficult. And, uh, as I, uh, in a note, the only thing I would say is I said, I'm rooting for you. And so my view is 
a mayor needs to have all the running room they need to do the job they need. And so therefore, you know, uh, President Bush, President Clinton, President Bush 43, President Obama have all adopted it. I happen to think it's the right thing to do. And therefore, I won't comment. So how about the state, though? Think about what's going on. I mean, we're, we're going to we're going to the state of America or state Illinois, of Illinois. <laughs> the, the state, state of the of world. Illinois. Governor Pritzker had a session for the history books. Without a doubt. I called him Talk and said about it. I was on the bike trip. I don't I think it was in the I think it was in a part of Wisconsin. Yeah, I wasn't. And I called him. Uh, we pulled in around three thirty and I said, uh, look, I've been around. I was in Congress. I've been in two White Houses. I've been a mayor for eight years. I said this was uh, not a home run. It was a grand slam. And he, there was not a single item. Uh, and he, and I think, and when you think about it, and it's both for him and in and of himself, what he accomplished set out. But then in the juxtaposition of he made a pledge, and the biggest part of his pledge is after three years, four years of a standoff, where not only nothing got done, Illinois drifted back. His biggest, if you forget this policy versus that policy, the biggest kind of overarching theme was we're gonna get moving again. And he proved uh, to uh, in that success, when you add them all up, and I have my own personal views, he knows my views on certain things, uh, when you add them all up, uh, he proved that he would get Illinois moving again and working again. Um, and that to me was the biggest uh, statement that came out of it, I happen to think, having, I think, been the first, and he said it, the first voice out there for like an infrastructure bill, a transportation bill, we hadn't had one for 20 years, et cetera. I think that was an incredible accomplishment. And also, he didn't rest on his laurels in, uh, in the veto session. The consolidation of uh, the public safety pensions was another down payment on the reform of getting Illinois, uh, as I always used to say, uh, denial is not a long-term strategy. It's a river in Egypt. You right. gotta get going here. Right, but didn't you think, oh my God, if I had only been there when this kind of governor was right, right, in Fran, place? you're not going to parallel park into the position. I just told you I'm not talking about it. No, so but I, I mean, it were you surprised by no, all that got done? I will say, what, look, I had a deal with Governor Rauner, who had his views of the city of Chicago. And it was hand-to-hand combat for four years where he he, vote, he vetoed all five pensions that we then overrid his veto in every one of them bipartisan, just as an example and illustration. Uh, I think you know uh, my uh, uh, the working relationship I did and did not have with uh, Governor Quinn. Uh, the good news is Chicago's in Illinois, and the good news is I'm a Illinois and Chicago resident, and you have a governor who's looking to the future uh, and not trying to settle scores, but trying to get moving. And yet you have this poll now that's hanging over the legislature with this scandal. What do you make of the comment thing and all this? Uh, you know, I'm not. I, here's what I think. Uh, the one thing I know about politics and uh, and also is not to comment on something that's in the middle of an investigation. I think that would be a mistake and an error to do that. Uh, I, I do think, and I don't want to, look, I spent 24 years in two administrations, Congress. I never hired a lawyer. Mm-hmm. There's both the that's law. That's hard to do in Illinois, <laughs> say, well, look, in Chicago. I, well, look, not really. Well, what I mean is what it I mean, seems that I, everybody. Well, here's what I would say is, um, and Fran, you covered me, and you know my record from both Congress introducing and passing with then-Senator Obama, the lobbying and ethics reform. There's the law and then right and wrong. They're two slightly two different things, heads and tails of the same coin. Um, And 
all I will say is, you know, I know like when I became mayor, we got outside of the Shackman decree. Hiring was a big scandal in Chicago. And our procurement department was rated as best kind of best in class, so to say. And I would just say to you that the thing that a legislator, an executive, if you're in public service, you always have to keep the flame of why you went into public service. And the first word is public, Mm -hmm. not personal, not private. And if you remember that, uh, you can make the judgments. There's always a lot of people that will uh, get you in trouble. You have to remember why you ran and who you serve. And if you can do that, that's your North Stars. What impact do you think the scandal will have on the city's ability to, or the the ability to get anything <laughs> done in Springfield well, anymore? Well, you we saw this, a session that, for the history books. I don't know. I mean, you just said you have the shadow of this investigation, and Governor Rauner passed a something that people have been talking about for 20 years, the consolidation of the public safety. Well, Ritz uh, mean? What did I say, Rauner? Yeah, you did say Rauner. There's a Freudian slip. Uh, (laughs) I would say uh, Governor Pritzker, uh, I'm sure as soon as this comes out, JB will call. Uh, uh, No, I I would just say that he passed. It didn't, let me say that. If you were wondering what would happen, something that had been talked about, discussed, advocated for for 20 years in consolidation of the public safety pensions just got accomplished. So it's not inhibiting the real work to get done. And my hope and fervor is that the governor and i'm sure he's committed to this is he's not part of the political system that's the advantage now yeah is that he will force it to do certain things on lobbying and ethics reform that if you ask people privately they all know need to get done and my guess is uh uh, as somebody once said i think really crystallize it never allow a good crisis to go to waste that somebody (laughs) was you and you know you like Uh, to quote uh, yourself i just think that's a telling uh it's you have we have a crisis and now you're gonna have to do things that uh you've discussed and thought about before but never for a host of reasons to do so we will get done. And I have all the confidence the governor will lead that challenge. And your and buddy John challenge. Cullerton is leaving, so that becomes a real loss for the city, right? Uh, I don't, I, I couldn't even, look, just take, I mentioned we did five pension reforms. Actually, over the 10 year, we did eight of them, one a year. Five pension reforms. After 70 years of discussion about rewriting the school finance and funding, um, we finally got it done. Every mayor has been advocating what we, and when I say we, uh, we did this, and I say this both Speaker Madigan, John Cullerton, their two legislative bodies, their members, both parties, we finally got done something people talked about. And you can't even just take those issues. Forget, there's hundreds of others, big and small. Um, uh, we're doing the red-purple modernization John and Mike and their membership helped us do the uh, TIF, transportation TIF, that without uh, a good working relationship, you could not get done. And John has been an incredible partner. Now, for him and me, or, um, or him and I, uh, our relationship goes back to when I ran for Congress, and he was then going to run for uh, Senate president. And uh, we had a great working relationship going also through the uh, Obama years and a great working relationship through the city. And the city's been benefited um, from his desire to do service. So Im- immeasurably, it kind of hurts the city because he was such an advocate, right? Fran, I'm not gonna, uh, yes. Okay. I mean, you know, look, you don't, you didn't, right. you didn't ask me on the show to confirm what you already believe in that John has been an incredible, uh, I don't wanna, I don't really wanna use the time to talk about all the, but when you look at 
the state for the first time in 100 years is now paying a portion of the teacher's pension. John Cullerton. Mm -hmm. In partnership with my office, in partnership with the speaker and their members, and led members to vote for that. And it goes up. Rewriting the school financing bill, leading to $450 million of more money every year and growing than they used to get. $450 million. Yeah. Um, and not to... I mean, when I first got here, there wasn't even a school budget that was supposed to, you know. So when you think just those and then talk about the police pension, the fire pension, the labor's pension, the municipal pension, after Governor Rauner trying to undermine Chicago, we passed them in bipartisan fashion in many parts because John, Mike, our office worked it and got Republicans and Democrats to realize pension reform was key. You have the largest mass transit effort by CTA Capital on the red purple modernization and that was we leveraged that to get three billion dollars more in federal money than we would have gotten because john and mike saw the vision and participated and put their political now remember they got a hundred things to do they picked those things because we had a good working relationship so, those so are it's just, a sea so change in springfield it is it a be. sea change yeah well um, and those are opportunities. They're losses as well as opportunities. They're not. What's you know, the opportunity? Times, What's Rand, the I opportunity? Mean, a lot of times, sometimes people cover these things as one or the other. They're, you know, I don't know. Maybe I'm, as I get, you know, life is full of complexities. It's gray. It's and, not black well, and white. Well, it's not. No, you, you both have advances, and it's an opportunity. On the other hand, it's a loss. Uh, and what's the opportunity part? Well, the opportunity part, you know, John was, you know, for, well, John, the opportunity, I mean, for the state and everything, I think it will be a, there was no doubt there will be some sense of loss given his stewardship, his understanding, and more importantly, you could tell by the votes, the trust his colleagues put in him. And so that will put more burden on the governor in the short time in his administration. Sure. Um, you have a trusted uh, leader. Um, the opportunity, as anybody would tell you, is hit a restart on certain things. And hopefully uh, the new leader can bring their own energy and their own interest. John and I shared an interest like in tobacco, personal interests, as you know, sure. uh, in prohibiting uh, uh, the use of tobacco, now prohibiting another generation. And we worked a lot on that. Now somebody, if unless you, that was a personal interest. The next leader will bring their own set of interests and hopefully that's an opportunity to do other things that weren't in the focus. Are you surprised by the whole ComEd thing? I mean, that's unbelievable. The CEO forced to step down. The lobbyists are alleged. Yeah, I'm not, I, Fran, I'm not going to. It's in the middle of an investigation. I'm not going to yeah. weigh in. You do that. And it's mind-boggling, though, isn't it? Is It's unbelievable, the tentacles of this. Well, we'll look, I, the question is, and this is the my hat on, is what, what opportunities that do, do provide to come up with certain solutions that people talked about? And, you know, I mean, I don't, that is true on, you know, I looked at this and it's not in a direct analogy because one is not corrupt or whatever, but I remember, and it's in the news, is like the auto industry. I mean, we finally in that moment of crisis did things that people have been talking about for 30 to 40 years about things that had to get done that never got done and they got done. And I think that uh, I look at it. And the, and the good news, particularly this, if you had a career politician in the governor's office, they would trim their sales. Governor Pritzker is not part of this. He comes to it fresh, clean. He has no kind of history, which means... He's he, free. He's can, yes, he, all the things that you thought hit the uh, bumper and said, oh, you can't get that done for this reason, you can't. 
He has no history with it, no relationship to it. So, you know, he can come to it fresh, and that um, allows him to get something uh, done. And I would just say this is more to uh, not you particularly, but to journalists. You know, though that getting this done is key, given what's ha- uh, hanging over the state. At the same time, it comes with what other things can't make get done because you're, so much energy is around this. Right. So all things come uh, both at with a price. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> well, you know, you have X amount of time, not Y, X. And if you're doing this. You're not doing uh, that. You're not doing that. And those are choices. And, you know, I was at uh, a, a conference yesterday. Jeb Bush asked me to speak. It was with uh, the governor of Tennessee, the head of uh, the Gates uh, foundation on education, the head of the college board. And they asked us at the end for, uh, like, if you had to get one thing done, I said, you just got to remember what your A's are. You can't swing at everything. You can't do everything. Yeah. So you have to, you know, as I was, I was using the analogy of the full school day and the full school year. That was not something that, um, if you didn't do that or you did only, a, uh, a mini version of it, you weren't really, it was a foundational structural piece. And I said, and then you got to be, and I was joking at the time, I said, and then you got to be crazy enough to just pursue it. Uh, but I, the point is, you got to know what your A's are. And if he decides lobbying and ethics reform, and then there's a loss of time, meaning you can't do these other things. Everything has its own sense of urgency and uh, uh, an agency at that time. Do you think it gets the graduated income tax? Will that pass, that amendment? You know, I really, uh, in the end of the day, yes. I do. Why do you think so? Um, because I think that it's a, it, it, you know, look, there's two legacies and I've fought for this. So I'm not breaking new ground. I don't want to say the mayor, you know, I'm 100% behind JB. I want to be clear 100%. And when I have a question, I say it directly to him. So I'm not giving outside the family, so to say, look, you have two legacy items in the Constitution from um, the Constitutional Convention of the 70s. One is uh, the obviously flat income tax. It should be a progressive tax, and I can, I've always been for a progressive tax and making it even more progressive, like around the earned income tax credit, which we did in 2012 here in Illinois. It's a little section of uh, my book that I talk about because uh, with in combination with the minimum wage, which is really how you have work pay for people. Um, but there's also the second item, which is the benefit structure. In the 70s, it made sense. Um, it, it doesn't. Now, you have to give rightfully, since public employees don't get Social Security, this is their only retirement, um, you have to do certain protections if you did that. Doing one of those without the other, uh, to me, is a lost opportunity. I am for, a, not slightly, 100% for a progressive income tax. But you think it will pass with the general public? You do? Yes, I do. And I think the governor will get it done. And, you know, I try to make this argument, as you remember, uh, you covered it with the labor and municipal funds. Sure. And the Supreme Court said no, no. based on the Constitution. And I think um, a balanced approach that ensures people's retirement, given all the things we have to do, um, uh, I think is important uh, to get done. But Will he yeah. have to do property tax relief before he se- to sell it to the public? Do you think? You know, um, I gotta say, Fran. I, I, you know, I used to eat, breathe, and sleep all this. I, uh, I don't totally. I do think there's a uh, combination that can be um, 
uh, politically as well as policy-wise beneficial, and my guess property tax freeze or something like that will probably be a part of this, both for the sales part and because it makes sense, it, given the shift of revenue going away, uh, coming with a progressive income tax. Okay. Let's talk about what's going on nationally now. Uh, the, the state of the race, <laughs> the state of the race now, it's sort yeah. of in a weird state of flux. You have Buttigieg emerging uh, yeah. in Iowa. You have Bloomberg on the sidelines. Oh. And there seems to be a yearning by your party for somebody <laughs> else, something else to stop Biden because think, they don't think Biden can make it. You don't, you don't think 20 it. flavors works? <laughs> <laughs> what, will, is Biden going to make it? And do, do yeah, you think uh, there is a need for another candidate? Look, let me just, what I do know is that um, anybody that tells you they know how this is going to play out is a fool. It's one thing if you had three or four people in a primary, 20, as a famous philosopher, Dr. Ben Emanuel, once said, the ball is round. You just don't know where it's going to bounce, okay? You don't. Um, you can look at certain what people use the metaphor of lanes, et cetera. I think sometimes, while I'm a big believer in ideas and policy, the overarching policy is beating Trump. A moderate Democrat will vote for a very progressive if they think they're the best chance of beating Trump. And the same thing with a very, very, very rabid progressive will vote for a moderate because of beating Trump. What everything in 2018 and 2019, meaning Virginia, Kentucky, and suburban Pennsylvania, Philadelphia showed us, is turnout's gonna be astronomical. So those who all said you need a base turnout, don't worry, Donald Trump's taking care of that. That somehow that you had to have a base versus swing voter strategy. Don't worry about turnout. My guess is that this presidential, you'll have 20 to 30 million more voters than you did in 2016. Because? Donald Trump. Okay. That's what we'll have. And look, 2018 was the biggest midterm turnout in almost 40 years. Donald Trump. The same energy occurred just two weeks ago in both Kentucky governor, Louisiana governor, Virginia statewide, as well as legislative, and Pennsylvania. You're getting record turnout. Nothing tells me that between 2016 and you look at the trajectory 2018 to 2019, that all of a sudden they come 2020, they're going, eh, I'm going to take a day off. It's going to be a record turnout. Okay, now, so, so talk so, about the so yearning, I, though, for somebody else who's the, a little the more The yearning moderate. is because everybody, there's, you know, Democrats uh, love to fall in love since John Kennedy if you look at the process, everybody's had what I call this Andy Warhol moment, Beto O'Rourke. Yeah. yeah. In my view is not if, if you, well, if you're going to be <laughs> va the cover of Vanity Fair may not be the place you want to launch your Democratic president. As some of us said that maybe that wouldn't be the right thing. Okay. Then all of a sudden there's Elizabeth Warren has her moment. Buttigieg's in that straight in that place. But what happens if you kind of try to take one, two, three or four steps back is you fall in love and then you start getting nervous about, you start finding the faults that, that make them less viable for the general, whether that's ideological, biographical, whatever it is. And so we're in that process where, and I, you know, four years, uh, four months ago, I wrote about this, which is people forget this in 2004, Howard Dean was in first, and then get, uh, uh, Wes Clark, the general was in second, Gephardt, Al Sharpton, there was somebody else. And John Kerry was in fifth at 4%, a month out. And then all of a sudden, like a rocket, because why? 
the voters start go from going to fall in love, they all of a sudden become unbelievably pragmatic about who do I want to get married to? I'm no longer dating. Yeah. And then they go, <laughs> and I don't know why I'm in this metaphor, dating and marriage and whatever. Your son, maybe, I don't <laughs> yeah. know. So I think that uh, what happens is, I think that, I do think you're at the end of that process. Anybody, there's more likely more people are going to get out now than get in. I don't think the in getting in is over. I think you're going to. Oh, start. you think getting in is over? So what about Deval Patrick and Bloomberg? No, they're. I'm counting. You're them counting in. them I'm in. in. I put them in the. In Do bucket. they have a chance? Let's I, go I, through I, both I, of them. I, look, I think. You know Bloomberg. I look. No, what I was going to say. He is, used to be a Republican. <laughs> <laughs> he was a good mayor of New York too. <laughs> look, I, Some people say. I don't, I don't ever. Um, they have their strengths. He has a record, he, which is a strength and a weakness in the primary. He has stop uh, and frisk. Is that a prohibitive? But, but I think prop- he also has, I, as a former finance director for Bill Clinton, don't ever underestimate somebody's ability to write a hundred million dollar check and not miss it. Deval has his strength. He has an incredible personal story. When you look at Obama and uh, Clinton's personal stories, and personal stories and biographies actually count more than they did 40, 50 years ago. Yeah. Um, if that was, you know, uh, when you. So you look at the personal stories. Um, to, to be a person that starts in the Robert Taylor homes and ends up in the U.S. Justice Department, Governor of Massachusetts, in the corporate uh, C-suite is an incredible American story. And it will have its gravitational pull on the voters. Um, uh, and that's an, an accomplishment. So both have something to offer. And both by being about a year late to the dance have a liability. So that will be that. You have people that have been, you know, and I just wrote this piece in the post. I mean, I don't agree with, and I've been up front about Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders. Yeah, you think it's way too left. Beyond, I just think, look, it's, it's, you're taking risks in the uh, primary that will become liabilities in the general. And it's also, as I wrote in this piece, and this is really what I believe is, it is not true to the democratic creed. Redistribution economics is not. When you look at our creed, it's about work, responsibility, and opportunity. Social Security and Medicare, payroll tax. That's how they get funded. GI Bill, AmeriCorps under President Clinton, service to country. The earned income tax credit, which is the old negative income tax, is because you worked and we're going to lift you up. Yes, the key word there, earn. Redistribution, free college, free income, guaranteed income, free health care, all, you know, 500 more bucks to Social Security, et cetera. And I, while I see the benefit of a, a greater security around retirement, all are not associated with either work, shared responsibility, equal access to opportunity. And to me, if anything Bloomberg or Duvall will do is that what I would call the traditional liberal wing of the party would get a wake-up call because they have been they, you know, Warren and Sanders have brought their A game to the policy debate. I don't agree with it, but I know I can take hats off to them for bringing their A game. I don't know where the rest of the field has been as it relates to, in my view, how to give the type of securities and investments that are essential, not only for gro- what I call inclusive growth, which is a strategy that allows the economy to grow and everybody to grow with it. Now, I said this yesterday at the Bush Forum. I said it when I was mayor. I believe it. It's what's kind of sparked my desire in public service, which is we have to create more winners that are in the winner circle. And as long as people, and you're seeing it not only with the election of Donald Trump, but you're seeing it in Hong Kong, you're seeing it in Chile, you're seeing it in Lebanon, you're seeing it around the world. If people think that their aspirations 
get moved aside and they're not part of the future, they will break the political system and they will break the social system, the economic system. And what you really have going around the world in the United States is a manifestation of this is nothing like this um, aspirations that get uh, dismissed. And that's what's happening. And so the things that we have to do as a party is ensure that other people have access to the success of America. Is that, Biden going to make it? I mean, can he? Or, was that not just a great philosophical aspect? It's it was a, great, but thanks. I want to know what you think really about Biden. I really appreciate that. Is he going to make friend. it? Is he going to make it, or is he? Yeah, it, I, here's the one thing. I, he has a lot. Look, here, here, let me give you the positive, okay? Well, I think it's safe to say, and he would say this, the last two months have not been great PR. Unbelievably resilient, if you look at the poll numbers. If you look at the poll numbers, incredibly resilient. And so don't uh, write him off. Is so, that yeah, what you're saying? Uh, yeah, don't. I would not do that. But I'm, this yearning is know, about remember, people here, who I'm, don't okay, think. I, I've got 25 years of or 24 years of politics. I remember Sam. I don't. I'm going to pick on Sam Donaldson. The first week of President Clinton's tenure as president. The first week. Well, Sunday show happened to be uh, this week with Dave Rinkin. He says the presidency is over. That's what he said. <laughs> and this was all about uh, gays in the military. I, I, you know, turned out a little slightly different than Sam Donaldson predicted. So what I, what I know about politics is with 20 people in and with a person that at least in two months while has raised questions of durability with the voters, a little more resilient than you would think from a conventional insider. My attitude on these things is the voters will decide this. He's shown, while he has raised doubts about his... Uh, uh, candidacy, he has also showed by the public, not the pundit, incredible resilience. Buttigieg has his own strengths and his own liabilities. Elizabeth Warren has her own is strength. It, but as a mayor of a 100,000 person city, <laughs> a college town with a shuttered Studebaker plant Here's, okay, and some I, fast I food places. I all those negatives. I, I hear you all. Okay. And I'm, I'm aware of them. Let me give you the counter argument. Would you elect a, a real estate developer out of New York who has a, a past that is unbelievably filled with judgments that are criminal, almost borderline criminal, sues everybody, sexual innuendos versus a former U.S. senator and former secretary of state? How did with the country go? Number two, would you pick a former state senator who's been in the Senate a year versus a U.S. senator who's the former first lady of one of the most popular presidents? How did that turn out? Would you pick, in a time of peace and prosperity with an incredible vice president who's been part of that peace and prosperity, or a governor from Texas who had his own uh, issues of substance abuse? Would you pick, in the middle of the height of the Gulf War, where a president's at 91%, a former governor of a small state with uh, questions about his judgments both during Vietnam and growing up? The last four presidentials, Everybody that's called a pundit got it wrong. So what I would say to you, what I've learned, what, you know, what I say is everybody, at least for the last four elections. Has been wrong. For, for presidentials. Everything that they tell you that can't happen, the public's told you, maybe you're not so smart. Maybe you're not such a smart pen. So my view on this is, and what I do know, you can say South Bend, 100,000 people. You can say. Uh, a problem uh, with black voters. You can say, all that. then you know what? One of the things I know about a process, it puts about 15 more pounds on you. 
he's all of a sudden going to look different if he all of a sudden wins the nomination. He's going to, you're going to see him with a different shade of glasses. You're going to look at him different. That will be true about all the, not just Pete, Mayor Pete. That will be true about everybody. And the impeachment uh, process in the backdrop with the senators. What does a former mayor have to do to get water around here? With the senators be summoned (laughs) back to to Washington for the trial. Uh You have said it'll end in censure. It won't end in in, uh, removing. Yeah, let me say why. Look. The House is somewhat set up already like the Jets and the Sharks. That's how it's going to be. And nobody, you know. I don't know what else, and I want to make a comment about the last two weeks in a second, but you've heard from everybody exactly what the score was. That America's foreign policy to Ukraine, which Russia has an intimate interest in, would be twisted to serve as a venue for the President of the United States to dig up dirt on a potential political rival. Never been done. Every career person, defense, state, national security— CIA. Every career person said, I've never heard anything like this. And they've been on calls by presidents from both parties. And as soon as they tell the lawyers, the lawyers make a B-run taking the entire transcript and run it to the most secure computer in the United States national security apparatus. That's an unbelievable statement. Full stop. That's a fact. None of those facts are denied. But how does wait, it wait, end, no, and how will I, I got, it impact I, I, the president? I, I got your question. I'm warming up here, Fran. That's all, and it's quite warm in this room. I, I hear you, Fran. I haven't. I, I see you. You're acting like you did when you were there. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I'm actually quite tempered here. He's getting a no. glass of water. Yeah. Number two, and remember, the House, three quarters of the Republican House, is picked in the primary, so they have their own view. And I want to come back to that. Number two, when it gets to the Senate, assuming they. As, look, I look at this metaphor, the cards are being turned over by the house. And you're, and you're at the poker, you're at the table. And as the cards turn, none of the cards in the last two weeks. In fact, if anything, we've learned more than before. How unbelievably full knowledge everybody was in the White House and in the administration that our policy to Ukraine wasn't about countering Russia, was about digging up dirt on Joe Biden. That's what we learned. Undisputed. Nobody's questioning those facts. Now, when it gets to the, assuming that they then decide, well, there's enough here to impeach a president, they'll do that. The articles will be, we'll go to the Senate. I think, I think uh, now that Mitch McConnell writes the rules. He's going to have a bit problem because Ukraine is close to Moscow and Russia. And Moscow Mitch is going to have a bit of a, a guilty conscience here. I do not think Susan Collins in Maine who has a tough race, Gardner in Colorado, who has a tough race. And when you go down the list, and even people that don't have a tough race, like uh, Mitch, uh, like uh, the good senator, uh, I can't believe I'm doing this, from uh, Utah, um, Romney, I don't know, that was a Lagos, and Ben Sasse from Nebraska, and Murkowski from Alaska, and people without a race, but somehow haven't sold their conscience, will know that history will be looking at their vote. Some will look at it from political and some will look at it from historical. And the idea that you're going to have a, a trial, hear all the testimony, and that somebody's going to include, you know what? While this isn't appropriate, we're doing nothing. Because you can't conclude it's inappropriate and do nothing. So you have a couple options. Do you remove them from office? 
And if the decision is with 10 months before an election not to, or do you let them off scot-free, even though you think what happened here is wrong, I think they will then come to a conclusion that, no, we have to uh, somehow show displeasure and hold him accountable. And therefore, that's why, like Andrew Jackson in the 1830s over the National Bank, they will go towards censure. Now, trumping Trump will make the censure more valuable from a political standpoint and a liability standpoint and an accounting sta- counting accountable standpoint than other. The Constitution speaks to impeachment, but because it's silent doesn't mean you can't do it, as the Senate did with Andrew Jackson. And that's what I think will happen. Right. So how does that impact the presidential? Is it a trap for Democrats? Does well, it, it, is it a distraction that hurts them? I think it's both things. Will it help Trump? What do you think? think? Well, you know, if you step back and look at this, like, the impe- you know, yes, the other day when I was watching the debate, it almost seemed like an intermission from the impeachment hearings. Not like it was a certain debate when you looked at it. You know what I mean? And it, the viewership was down, et cetera. And I can't sure. imagine. We got 12 more of these to go. Oh, God. You're probably uh, the only one watching. Yeah, well, it's like the, uh, the last of the Mohicans will be watching us. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, uh, so I think that, look, at one level, if it's, and it is, the responsibility of the Congress to investigate if whether there's been an, a, a bridge, a, a violation of the law, and then holding a president for crimes and misdemeanors accountable. But if it blots out any part of an agenda that deals with health care costs, it deals with access to college, it deals with investing in America, then it's, a, uh, it's both an asset and a liability. The truth for Republicans, it, for, you know, a, you know, a, a vote, it can, if you look like all you're doing is helping Donald Trump, even when in the face of unbelievable facts and you decide to dismiss this in three weeks with nothing else, that will hurt you. Yeah. So if I thought about this, uh, I mean, if you look at it, in, and again, everything, it doesn't mean I'm right, but I'm framed by 1998 when I worked for Bill Clinton. In a month before the election, the Republicans acted on articles of impeachment, uh, acted on holding an impeachment. That framed the midterm in which for the first time in 100 years, the party in power won seats. It had never happened. And then they pursued it. And it came a tremendous liability, both in the midterm and uh, after. Um, so my... If they overplay their hand on the impeachment in 98, their danger, the Republicans, is underplaying their hand in 2020, in my view. And by not taking this seriously. no. And I do think this, the charge against Trump, and, I've, and again, I've talked about this before, is that Democrats are angry at him. Swing voters are uh, exhausted by him. Those are not the same emotion. And what we have to say to people is all this tweeting and all this attacks are distracting us from dealing with the real challenges America face. And you have to, to combine their interest in looking at education, healthcare costs, transportation, corruption, all these issues, and tie his character to our inability to address them, and that he's the problem in us dealing with that. And I think that is not about anger so much as it is about people's, if you, the people I met on the bike trip through Michigan and through Wisconsin and Indiana, they're exhausted by this. The voters that showed up two Tuesdays ago in Pennsylvania, Virginia, Kentucky, are done. They're exhausted. They want to get on with America. And they think his character of attack and, uh, and unpresidential behavior 
is distracting us from our real job. Before we go, if the Senate seat comes open, will you run for no. it? No. So you're not going to run again? No. Not oh, I don't never, know about that, but you asked me about that office. Not for the Senate. No. Not, not any, any office look appealing to you at all? Friend, I've answered this before. It's not news, okay? I'm right now in this moment. Okay. I well, happy, I will, I will happy almost your birthday. And <laughs> you have a funny way of this. If this is my birthday gift, you have a lot more giving to give. <laughs> Mayor Rahm Emanuel, thank you so much for joining us. And we'll see you after Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving yeah. to Are everyone. Are you going to be at the turkey trot? We have an annual Emanuel family turkey trot. You want to run with the Emanuels? <laughs> I'll let you know. 